Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Hello, hello. Once again, this is Talk Cosmos, and I'm Sue Rose Minahan, host, and Tonight is November 9th, and it will repeat next week on the 14th, that's Thursday, and this is Pacific Standard Time now. Our clock's returned, so wherever you are, you might adjust according to this time zone, and on Thursday, it is 6 to 7 a.m., in case you're listening then, and tonight's subject is within the Scorpio archetype. And the subject, on a very broad terms, very potent, is the Taurus new moon. And that occurs on the 12th. And here in Seattle, which is Pacific Standard Time, that's at 5.34 a.m. However, if you're on the East Coast, where my wonderful guest will be, that will be three hours later. So that will be 8.34 a.m. in the morning. And full moons, just briefly speaking, for those persons that may not be astrologers, it has a cycle within every 28 days, 29 days. And when the new moon happens, when they both set at the horizon, two weeks later, which it is now after our new moon, they're at the opposite sign, the full moon, which because we're in Scorpio sun, that transit time, the moon is in Taurus. So tonight's speaker is Dr. Judith Safar, that's T-S-A-F-R-I-R, and of course you can find Dr. Safar's bio and information on Talk Cosmos. You can just, at any time, that's a simple way to return. And she is a Harvard board certified adult and child psychologist, Psychiatrist, excuse me, big difference. Psychiatrist has extra education and knowledge and psychoanalysis with a private practice of holistic psychiatry in the Boston area. And she's an evolutionary astrologer and studied with both Stephen Forrest and Maurice Fernandez. And she's a tarot reader and a shamanic practitioner. And her practice is devoted to healing through the integration Body, mind, heart, and spirit, which I adore because to me, unification of all our parts, that's where astrology, well, suddenly I'm rhyming, has a start, <laughs> right? At any rate, but Dr. Safar also writes a blog, Adventures in Holistic Psychiatry, and it's on her website. So hello, Judy, I'll call you Judy, and it's such a pleasure to return because I want to throw out again that last year... There is a wonderful um, past episode on November 24th that we spoke about in Sagittarius, but now we're in Scorpio. So, hi. So, thank you, Sue, for having me again. Oh, great pleasure. It truly is. Well, the new moon, well, that was two weeks ago on October 26th, but now, and I think you have a practice where you actually uh, honor with ceremonial, I'm not sure, 
I know you invite me, and whenever I get out there, I'm going to join you. But um, you, it's a new moon practice. Is this right? Uh, no, I invited you to a couple of parties that I've had. One was a equinox party, um, and another one was a party on New Year's Day. But it wasn't really for the full moon. But I do for the new moon. I but I do. There's Jan Spiller has a book about making wishes on the new moon, and yes. I do do that. It's a wonderful, uh, but it's just sort of a, a personal practice. Yes, and a very good thing to note just now for our audience because. Many people do, but yet it's so easy to note things, but to integrate it, which really, I think with Scorpio particularly, it is that. And this full moon chart, as I was noticing, is a lot about integration. But to make some kind of significance out of an altar is so important. And I suppose for a full moon, it would be Somewhat to release, but it always could be intentions to begin, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I usually think about the full moon as things that I would like to release. Ah, good. And um, so the sun is in Scorpio and the moon is in Taurus. Um, and I guess one would think about releasing things that have to do with either Scorpio or Taurus. That's what I would think of. Um, And when you want to release things, it's usually things that aren't serving you. Uh, So for Scorpio, it could be, well, it could be lots of fear and need to control. if, If that is something that troubles you with Scorpio and, um, with Taurus, it could be, uh, I guess also, again, like sort of a security theme of um, kind of need to acquire or um, feeling like you needed to, um, what would I say? What would you say, Sue, well, about Taurus, about what you would release? Well, this is good. I think to more sustenance, I mean, as yes. if there isn't... It's the idea of the lack, the the sufficiency, that there isn't enough. This fear that, yes, Yes. not enough survival. Yes, that's great. Mm. That's great. You know, that that you have to kind of acquire and make sure there's enough because there's some kind of scarcity mentality. Excellent. Scarcity. Yes, that's it. And gratitude well, interestingly, looking at that chart, there's some simple dynamics. It's not cluttered with a lot of aspects. I don't know if cluttered is a good word, but but it is. Um, it came to mind. But immediately there's some asteroids that were significant, like with the moon, Vesta. And I was just looking it up with Demetra George, who does asteroids. And... You know, it's our hearth. And, of course, now, as we had spoken earlier, your location, three hours later over there on the East Coast, and here I am on the West Coast of the United States here, um, shifts where the planets are in the charts. So that area might be a little different for each of us, but and it would mm-hmm. leave, yeah, right, for anybody that's listening. So 
So from that standpoint, I'll keep it loose, but also just to mention to people that it is personalized more to your location. But it, it because here it is in the seventh house, and it's of relations, and where, again, this scorpionic concern where we are the resources of others, what's the soul growth? How are they really manifesting, or are they manifesting? Have they come to an end? Do we need to recharge them and realign ourselves? And it was so interesting that Vesta, with our partnerships is at exactly the same degree as the moon. It's right. Yeah, it's it's exact. They're both at 19 degrees. I see that. Yeah. I think of Vesta about being dedicated to something, like being like wholeheartedly serving something like the Vestal Virgins. Mm -hmm. This is this is true. So I suppose wherever it is in that house that it would be in for any person, then like in over here it's about nurturing or caring or supporting. It's the moon, so it's emotional. But it's also, I think service is an excellent way to define, to focus on that more clearly. It would be in that area. So here it might be our relationships. And where you are, you said it was in the sixth house, so it might well, be Well, the moon work. is in the sixth and Vesta is in the fifth. Oh. It's right on the cusp. It's sort of straddling the cusp oh, of the houses. Um, so I think of the fifth as like children and legacy and creativity and the sixth service. I mean, the sixth is service. It's also work and health. Um but it's interesting in Taurus and, and in terms of releasing, you know, like, I mean, Taurus can also be, you know, like this great self-sufficiency mm. and maybe developing some kind of more comfort with dependence. Goodwill. <laughs> exactly. And so it is really a matter, is it a rut or is it really working in our life? Mm -hmm. And for mm -hmm. you, it would be like the routine of life. And, and what do we put our focus on as far as our creativity? Here it really is, on this coast, more about relationships, and particularly because even Uranus is three degrees. You know, it's retrograding. It's going from our appearance looking from Earth going backwards in its orbit. But it's right on the descendant. So that really wants... Is it? Yes, and it wants authenticity, is how I was thinking it, with ourself and with our values and with, but it's in the seventh house. Of course, it wouldn't be for you. It would probably be... In the fifth again. Okay, so it would be a different sense of relationship with, with our, what's creative, whereas here mm -hmm. it's the people. But I like that word that you used for your honest authenticity. Yes. And somehow valuing, valuing our authenticity or valuing our um, thinking differently about things or um, like something that's not so conditioned or conforming. Ooh, conditioned. That's an excellent, excellent expression. It's so true. With all this nodal 
And again, for those non-astrologers, but our nodes are important. And and the south node is in Capricorn. And there's this, that's where we're coming from collectively for these 18 months. And we're right about in the middle of it, of this cycle of constantly trying to purge or release or question what we're conditioning about. And, you know, in other charts leading up to here, especially since the equinox, Uranus has been so evident. But in this chart, at this moment of transition, or transiting, I should say, because everything is a transition, specifically with Scorpio, but here, Uranus doesn't have a lot of aspects. And so it's really, Mm-mm. yeah, it's a strength of its own. It's like a working very definitely to, as you said, question what what's our conditioning? What can we break? Mm-hmm. Yeah, release. In the chart here in Boston, Chiron is on the at the very bottom of the chart, right on the <gasps> cusp of the fourth house. In Aries, at one degrees Aries. Wow. So that makes me think about some kind of wounding of the masculine principle. Well, you're on the um, East Coast with all the po- politics over there, too. Yeah. That's very significant. Right. Here, it, it, regardless, it, not to go away from that, but just to add, it is squaring its intention, its it's toggling, you might say, for the non-astrologers between the South Node and the North Node, those energies uh-huh. that we're trying to integrate, you know, where we're coming from with our Capricorn structure and our sense of our own processing with our emotional sense, which is, of course, with the full moon, the moon uh, rules, we might say, the Cancer, and that's where the North Node is. We're, so that's, wow, it's in the fourth house, of our own psyche. How do you, do you find people that you're working with? Of course, this is, we're talking about the moment, but I wonder if, I think we're all struggling in some ways about this. Oh, energy. definitely. 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 I just had somebody saying to me about her daughter who was depressed, a college student saying, well, I guess maybe it was when she was in high school asking if her mom had shooter drills when she was um, in high school or if she had to hide in closets. Did that also happen? My goodness. You know, like that's that's the mom said, no, that didn't happen, actually. That is shocking, isn't it? I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had earthquake drills. Yeah, but sort of more that's that's. Not like human, no. Kind of you know, the twisted human behavior. Like there really is a predator. There's a predator that can be found or or looked at the external, which is always a a really serious issue because in metaphysical energies, which Scorpio really uh, one works with, you know, within with the occult and the changes and within and the psychology, one tries to find, one, the efforts are to find the answers within. 
And yes, you work with the external, but the idea is, is that the power, you build that power within so that you can exchange with the external person. So I like that, Sue. That sounds really, <laughs> oh, thank that's you. a really nice <laughs> description of that archetype. And here, with this fear base of potential destructions through really uncontrolled, you know, like the Piscean uncontrolled energy of, of the predator, it does throw us back into this jungle thought of, um, you know, such as this student asked her mother, you know, just to get a, a reference, you know, like, what reality? Did you live this reality? No. Right, right. I mean, she was saying that there was just, that her child had this sort of existential dread. And I can say for myself that um, my youngest child, uh, who's 19, is very in touch with um, the grief about the environmental collapse. And, uh, you know, it's, it's it's hard for him to have faith that the world is going to kind of be there for him to grow up into. Um, and that can be like undermining in terms of, you know, like planning for the future and having lots of ambition. And um, there's just a lot on everyone's plate, but especially I think the young. It is an oxymoron. That word comes up, you know, which... Like, what is that? That's like when two things just do not gel. Because here we are your entire life in this society, trained in school to have a mind, to have a heart, to make decisions, to to lead to being productive, to being independent, to having a life, to making a difference. I remember on a, a bookmarker it says, be the change, which I think... Um, any rate, and yet, how, and so you have, there's a lot of hope involved or, or promise or faith, as you say, right. faith. And yet, when one learns scientifically, and even without all the polarities that are living in this world today of thought and belief structure, that potentially we're living, perhaps on the edge of some impending doom, of great change of our physical environment. Well, looking at this chart, I think a lot of it, because it is in Scorpio, it's a full moon in Taurus, but it's in Scorpio, and it is really asking us to go within and still find that strength. Because sometimes I know even myself, I get disillusioned at moments. So, but I am alive. And so, therefore, somehow I have this conviction that no matter what is happening, if I can continue to evolve and grow in my own world and connect with what I can, that the picture makes a difference. Mm-hmm. So, well, that, you know, the, with all the depth and, um, kind of heaviness and seriousness of Scorpio, then we have a counterpoint of Venus and Sagittarius and Jupiter and Sag. You know, that's um, that's a lot more optimistic and 
hopeful and questing and outward directed and mutable. <laughs> yes, yes mutable. And mutable. Yeah, so right, it's a little fiery. right. It's sharing. versus watery. Yes, and in that sense, Scorpio is the the heart, uh, ice. You know, this the it's, although ice floats in water, it is most interesting. I want to get back to Chiron. I suddenly remembered you mentioned Chiron there on the east coast. That's at the root of the chart. Yeah. And here, yeah. but regardless, it squares these nodes. And I was looking at Melanie Reinhardt's book uh, that I have, Chiron, Pholus, and Nessus. The other two I'm not really familiar with much, but they're all centaurs. And so looking at Chiron, it is in the Coupler belt, and it's elliptical. You know, it's this very, all the orbits are very, accentuated but what she was saying is is, is it's absolutely trans-dimensional that the whole process of a centaur is integrating the personal and the transpersonal Mm. Mm -hmm. agents of transformation deep change for the external but that in the because their past saturn that that consciousness it's a change of consciousness. So I would think that that's what this is really asking of us is to grasp these spirits. Well, that's really interesting, Sue, that you say that, you know, because now that I'm looking at it again, it's not only at the root of the chart, as you said, but it's at one degrees Aries, which is like the Aries point. Ooh. I mean, it's almost at two because it's at one degrees and 51 seconds or whatever but But in orb it's it's at one degree which is you know like that's sort of the world point it's um it's just a very new fresh beginning um something very powerful and i like the way that you're bringing in the whole notion of chiron in terms of it being this i've heard it called the rainbow bridge between the personal and the transpersonal because that's really um, kind of what is called for in terms of healing these days um, to bring in some kind of spiritual dimension, some kind of awareness of our connection with everything so that, you know, we wouldn't feel as though the problems were out there and uh, that it it wouldn't matter what was happening in another part of the world. We would see that it's all connected. Oh, Judy. And therefore we would, you know, take responsibility and 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 make it so that we were all acting as one and caring for each other. I love this. And I I have testif- it's testimony to your great uh, ability as a psychoanalysis there to have this clarity and the fact that you're bringing in responsibilities brings in that strength of where we're coming from with the structure of the better side of Capricorn that has mastery instead of the fear process. It's like, take what has worked. This is so great. Well, also, now that you say that, you know, the there's like a shamanic meaning of Capricorn, which is like the council of the 13 grandmothers, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And 
it's like the grandmothers are consulted about, you know, what is the right action? And it has to do with what is of benefit for seven generations, which is so different than um, the way that we conduct ourselves without any thought to, you know, the future and the world that we're leaving to the children. Well, that's very strong, and particularly because the North Node's in cancer with the heritage. We're going to return to this thought. We're going to take just a brief uh, announcement in a moment, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos November 9th or uh, with Judy. Well, I'm trying to think too many things at one moment, but at any rate, with Judy Safar, Dr. Judy Safar in Boston, and myself, Sue Rose Minahan, and we're talking about the Taurus full moon, November 12th. Thanks. We'll be right back. While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the yin period of Scorpio, traditionally ruled by Mars, now ruled by Pluto. By departing a cycle based on comparison between extreme energies, finding balance, Scorpio commits a relationship to exchange resources, experiencing power and powerlessness for the purpose of soul growth transformation. As a fixed water sign that is extreme, intense, and secretively deep, Scorpio's passionate nature questions the psychology and mystery concerning life and death. Hello, this is Annie Hart, spiritual teacher, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, where we discuss the meaningfulness of our roots in the stars. Hi, thank you so much. This is Talk Cosmos, November 9th, and Sue Rose Minahan with Dr. Judy Safar. And you can go to Talk Cosmos and reach out to Judy and find out about her information. We're talking about the Taurus full moon in the month of Scorpio. And we had just had quite an in-depth realization about the emphasis of Chiron, the wounded healer. And Dr. Safar is a healer and giving emphasis to what I had said, too, about Chiron being this, through Melanie Reinhardt's book, of the bridge between the personal and the transpersonal. And so, Judy, you brought up this wonderful idea of the shamanic uh, which is so scorpion Scorp- scorpio is shamanic it is that that bringing symbols of power and and knowing how to renew ourselves and the idea and the of the invisible realms yes and the 13 grandmothers i just love this because the nodes when i think of our ancestry and we are in the taurus full moon so it really is that fertility with nurturing and, and the legendary, the legends. I mean, the, the, well, I could go on and on. But, and what is the right action? That is 
Right, and the North Node is in Cancer, and Cancer is the sign of the Great Mother. Yes. And of nurturing and of nourishment and of caring and uh, protecting. And that's, I mean, the North Node is kind of what would be uh, a wise wise action, what would be aligned, what would be our best plan for ourselves. And um, reading yeah. Mel- Melanie's Reinhardt's book, I, that brings up that the centauric consciousness is that animal connection with Earth and reaching for the stars. I'm, I'm reading some of my little notes here. And concerning the mortality, the existence of our morta- immort- our mortality, excuse me, with the existence that our existence is temporal, temporary. However, we have this capacity of many consciousnesses, of many dimensions. So when somehow when you're speaking of nurturing and protecting and the generations there must be a a strength and with vesta i'm thinking of vesta there too somehow i'm trying to tie all this that's together that's interesting too with vesta because vesta really is totally in the same degree as the moon i mean i i think it's like you know dedication to like planetary healing and somehow recognizing that that is of, you know, primary importance with where we find ourselves at this moment in time. Yeah, the guardian, a guardian of home and community. And and Vesta, from what reading here about Demetra George, is the only asteroid, it's so, so bright, shining, that's what it means, that we can see it with the naked eye. So it really has huge significance. And your word of dedication is exactly, that's right, potent with what I was reading of it. Yeah, it's like keeping the flame, the single flame, keeping the keeping it burning, like not, not wavering. So it is that emotion. Mars is in Libra. Did you see that? Oh, yes. Thank you for bringing that up. And in fact, it's in tension with the other uh, with Pluto, and they're both rulers, the traditional oh, and the modern. That. I didn't see yes, that. of that's that's of that's also like quite a intense aspect. I mean, that gives a lot of kind of power and tension to this chart. It does because Mars in Libra is always concerned with the other, or comparing, you know, in some sense. Right, and also trying to achieve balance and unite polarities. Mm. That's right. Which then it means it's not, wouldn't it be that because it's physical, they may not weigh exactly, but I know there's an ancient that truth is weighed by a feather, I think. (laughs) So in other words, yes, it's, it's that the essence of what is, as you say, releasing what doesn't work, what we're conditioned with, to find the authentic truth. Well, and that 
and Mercury is very close to the sun in Scorpio. So I would say like speaking the truth and speaking the deep, dark secrets. Good point. And it's retrograde, which I'm remembering in its. Yes. Yes. Giving us pause to reconsider. So, but I think the, the, the dark secrets are going to be all revealed with this Mars, with this Mercury and Scorpio hmm. and the full moon. I mean, I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of difficult truths are being uncovered about what's going on. Well, then we, we know what we're working with. I, there is great usage to seeing something in the light. It mm-hmm. might be painful. I mean, certainly with this Chiron woundedness, there's, and it's in Aries, which reminds me that it's of becoming. Wouldn't it be where our sense of becoming is has some pain attached to it? And it might be the the pain of where we've been conditioned and where we're our the structure of our traditions with who we really are in our own processing and our own nurturing. But also like, you know, like, like a planetary initiation, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, we're going through some new phase. Like we're not, we're dying to the old of who we've been and something new is struggling to be born. And it's, you know, a, a painful it's a painful process. Well, it is, but somehow you tied it so well, and I'm thinking that really responds to Uranus in Taurus, because when you say a new initiation, well, I have to right, remember... Right, the Earth is going through an initiation. I mean, the Earth is going through just a lot of shock with uranus and taurus you know and 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 the electrification and the all of the technology and all of the electromagnetic frequencies you know that's all represented here boy it is it is it's hard to integrate some of that when we think of electromagnetic which is such a fundamental energy of the universe that and gravity you know i guess they're we still don't know quite how to combine them, but besides all the technological things that we have, but as far as just there's some secret in that too, as far as what we're attracted to and what is it what's attracted to us. But getting back to honesty of values of of what is within us, what uh, it what we need, what really releasing the through the veil the one percent as it's sometimes called of of beyond the physical to get to the the depths if i'm making any sense here absolutely oh thank you yeah no there's 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 a lot of depth with scorpio and a lot of richness to be uncovered and there can be a lot of pain too with Scorpio and going and s- issues of power and control and powerlessness 
Yes. Until we find what renews and what to release and what to purge. And and that's a good point because it's not, I keep repeating this at different talks, but it's not like just clicking a remote. It really is this process. Mm. And especially with the emotional, here we have two significant emotional energies. We have the moon, which is our representation of all our emotions, our stories. And then we have Scorpio that takes, is an emotional sign of passion because to mm. have, you know, power, you have to have impassioned right. commitment to, to an, in, an intensity of intimacy. There must intensity be. is a great word. Mm. Yep. Well, there's this this there's this tension in the chart in the Scorpio Taurus axis between this intensity and intimacy and this sort of self sufficiency and um, just in a way contained self contained like not not merging the way the Scorpio energy is, but much more self-reliant. Oh, because it all does get back to ourself and that capacity to be able to handle and to pursue and to go through these steps that we need to in some fashion. Because each, I'm reminded that every, you know, we have a full moon every month, we have a new moon every month, and it's a cycle of becoming like back to Chiron that's that's toggling we might say or intention with where we've been and where we're going and mm-hmm. as you said the Aries point like this is a start so really mm-hmm. uh, as difficult as it might be and releasing and 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 uncovering uncovering you keep talking about what well, we about revealing light it's a pro- it's a step a process that will lead us to our power of or letting go of something that didn't work and right well the and you know we haven't really said much about the saturn pluto pair in capricorn you know which will be exact in january of 2020 but that's all about uh, letting go of that which is no longer working for us and restructuring everything and um, and everything that's outlived its usefulness will no, no longer be able to be sustained. And particularly because it is a collective issue. You know, it is with the mm-hmm. South Node that represents, just to, let, to kind of feed into the audience here, because so often it might be in one's own chart, and it's like, okay, that's on a personal level, which it is. It's for all of us. Mm-hmm. It's what, how the planets are operating right now, these huge, great big energies. Saturn, where it's our outer limit of the known, and Pluto, which is the transformational energy of, which we've been talking about with Scorpio. And, of course, right. it's you know, an intention with Mars, our direction, which was the original one, but we're marching ahead, as one astrologer has put it, to this January 12th conjunction with all of that energy. So it's so collective, us and everybody. 
there mm-hmm. on the East Coast, I think geodetic, there's a, that's the astrology of a location. I'm trying to remember, there's a lot of um, Capricorn energy. Here in Seattle, our ascendant is 29 degrees Capricorn. But I think where you are, the, the, the mid-heaven, is that right? Or is that ringing a bell? Have you I don't know. I don't really know about that. Okay. Well, regardless, and we'll we'll scratch it how. So, audience, will check into this. But um, there is a lot of Capricornian emphasis there on the East Coast too. So, as I'm thinking, and that's where a lot of the power structure is. You know, Washington mm-hmm. D.C., so many universities, New York with all its I mean, Boston has 300 universities. Does it? I think so. I lived there mm-hmm, back mm-hmm. for a short while, and I was shocked because the intellectual prowess of back east is amazing. I mean, you go to a coffee place, at least that was my experience, and people are talking about the news, and they're intellectualizing, and they're discussing ideas and debating, and it's not just trivial, you know. I thought, hmm. my goodness, it's just saturated with this kind of another consciousness. Hmm. And we're such a big country. It is a big country. And there are many regional differences. And yet there are certain things that are, everyone speaks English from coast to coast and McDonald's are from coast to coast. and <laughs> Starbucks. <laughs> right. Yes, right. Well, we certainly have into, really in, uh, introspected this chart. I'll just take a brief moment to mention that next week we'll be speaking with Dana Bernbach, for the fifth of a five-part series, as it's turned out, on Kabbalah letters. And it will be for Scorpio Nun, N-U-N. And it's most amazing how both of these ancient thousands of years thought processes and metaphysical energies relate so strongly to giving other insights into the belief structure. And just to mention, too, that tonight I'm speaking with Dr. Judy Safar, and you can check Talk Cosmos and find out information, how to reach her, and also sign up for the weekly announcements. That'll give you a little bit. I'll give you an idea of our topic and guest. So that's at Talk Cosmos. And we do have archives. You can find any of us on Podcast One or any of your favorite podcasts. So tonight is November 9th, and we're talking about the Taurus full moon, its potency and strength of independence, which along with our own sense of survival, that's Taurus, not so much independence, but self-survival. So I guess that could be related. And how we transform our sense of power with exchanging with others with the Scorpio new moon. And so much more, I guess, we're talking about. So we have a few more minutes. Oh, we have 10 minutes. My goodness, Judy, we can, we can plow on. I was looking on. at that Hygeia <laughs> in Gemini. It's at 6 Gemini. And my chart on the East Coast, it's in the 6th house. And 
Hygieia is a asteroid that is related with healing. And with Gemini, I think of like looking for many different kinds of solutions, that there's not just one approach, that there are a multiplicity of approaches um, that are being uh, called for here. That's important. And it kind of fits in with this, with, with the healing theme of Chiron at the very bottom of the chart. And with Scorpio, with like transformation. Particularly because Mercury is so close to the sun and it is in Scorpio. That's a, yeah, yeah. it's Hygieia. I'm, that's a very potent um, health, all about our yes. health. So here it would be our mental health perhaps, would you think? Yes, I mean, it could, it, Gemini could have to do with the mind, um, but also, um, like, with many different, many different perspectives. Oh, diversity. Yep, with a whole multiplicity of ways of thinking about things. And Mercury, come to think, is a psychopomp. It can go mm-hmm. both, you know, as a messenger to the heavens and below yep. to the depths yep. of the death. So, and when you bring up the idea of the grandmothers, oh my goodness, there is, and in Scorpio, there is this intense possibility of connecting with, we just passed the day of the dead, you know, with the, yeah. the veil. Well, I like that. <laughs> so we could, to realize, and, and bringing this up I, about the, multiplicity is to reach beyond to Mm. our psychic selves to get inside answers to through ancestors through other energetic Mm -hmm. and with you know we haven't mentioned that neptune is in pisces Mm. and uh i mean through you know, spiritual connection, too. And it's important with, because it does, just to remind, you know, have that tension square with the ruler of the moon, Venus. Go ahead. Mm, that's right. There you go. That's interesting, you know, because that, I mean, in a way that is a sort of a gentle, really quite, feels like a sort of benevolent sort of energy, um, like some kind of big love energy that mm. is um, transcendent or diffusing through the whole thing. Yes, Neptune is the esoteric, the higher realm of Venus. I was just thinking how mm. Venus is in a direct square of tension with its higher realm of Universal love, which Neptune, one side, really represents in all its ways. And then Mars is in square with its, with Pluto. But, but mm. the, they're not, I'm trying to think, they're... Um, well, Mars is the ancient ruler of Scorpio. Yes, 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 yes. So from that standpoint, both the sun is in... Tension with its, which would be Mars and Scorpio, Mars and 
Pluto. And then the moon, which is Venus, is in tension with its, with, um, I'm seeing it, and the word is like, I'm so sorry for the delay here, but with uh, Neptune, meaning that there's this transition between, perhaps it is, again, speaking of the, like, the whole idea of the transition between the personal and the transpersonal, that Chiron. I like that. I like that. I mean, I think that's sort of written all over this chart, and really didn't have that in mind before we started talking but that's been kind of a consistent theme that keeps getting resurfaced that you know the and you know the material world and the um, invisible realms and the uh, earthly realms and the transpersonal realms it's it's it keeps repeating in many different ways echoed in the chart I mean Scorpio is also more like a cult, and Taurus is very earthly. What, what was that again, Judy? You said Scorpio, Scorpio is more a cult. Like it oh, can yes. be, it can also refer to occult energies, you know, hidden uh, shamanic kinds of things. Absolutely. And Taurus is very earthly and kind of the physical, natural world. They're kind of embodied with. Uranus, which is the heavens and earth, Gaia, you mm, know, that mm, whole mm-hmm. conceptual. That too. Yep. And trying to sh- shift or shock into the reality of what's authentic and real as far as truth. And truth, Scorpio is so involved with truth, just like Sagittarius. I mean, truth right, comes right, about. Right, and in my chart, the Sagittarius is on the ascendant with Venus right there as well. Mm. 13 degrees. Here, and here because it's um, one degree Scorpio, it has Uranus at the descendant. But either way, oh. yeah, mm-hmm. they're both very... So here we're looking at our relationship with others as being authentic, and there it's looking at self-having... Um, the philosophy or the belief structure of values, you know, mm-hmm. and building. Yeah, we have, it, it's really, there were thoughts here. They just go fleeting. Boy, I say, this is, it is powerful. It is really gives strength to the idea that Yes, we're in a process. There is, mm-hmm. you know, and and what works for our powers of symbols have value, like doing the altar as you speak of, and and reaching out to being like the grandmothers and to past and to what to be brave. You know, when we think no, of... There's a lot of need for that, right? <laughs> Courage and bravery. But, and also with Chiron and Aries, right? That there's like, there's fear and there's this like call to courage and bravery. And I mean, you don't need to be brave if you're not scared. Yeah. And it's to becoming because we're becoming. And it's mm-hmm. to have that strength, as we say, for January when this is just one uh, application towards an energy that's going to be quite intense that... 
it won't be just that day, but it is, it's a significant still. But I'm I'm looking at Mars again, which is I think the, at least in the, in my chart, it's like the most elevated planet. It's in the tenth house and and in Libra, and I think about kind of this need to integrate um, the different perspectives and um, to really devote our energy to kind of reconciling these polarities. Well, that reminds me exactly what I'd forgotten because. That's important. And you had, I think in the very beginning when I was reading your uh, bio, about this interest in unity, which I so appreciate because astrology to me is this ability to recognize our parts and to bring them together, to work and function together. So you're... Holism. Yes. The whole, (laughs) which is related to the word healing. So the need to integrate and Again, yeah, Hygieia in Gemini and Mars in, so the for diversity. Libra. We have two minutes here, I'm being told, so just to let you know. Yes, it's again and again, because a chart, when it continues to echo as you, or give right. signatures. Right, the themes are repeating, mm-hmm. reverberating, yep. back and forth, ping, ping, ping. <laughs> it is speaking. Mm-hmm. And, I, and in my chart, Jupiter is in the first house in Sag, which is a very powerful placement and very much about optimism and belief and vision. It is. Here I have the Scorpio, so it would be the Sun and Mercury, which is a matter of deep reflection, mm-hmm. of, and, but repeating exactly. And truth. Yes, and that shares with the, with the Sag, the truth. The truth is they have in common. The difference is, I suppose, that Sag can become so concerned with what they know is absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And so from that standpoint, it's really this questioning and this introspection time that can realign it. And that's mm-hmm. really so Scorpio. So this is perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, Judy, it's been a blessing here. I'm so grateful I mean, it's been a while. We were last in Sagittarius, so our wonderful audience. Yeah, a year ago, more than a year ago. <laughs> well, right? almost. So no, it's not really quite. Great to reconnect. Not, <laughs> it, not, not a year yet. Not quite. Great not to quite. Reconnect with you, Sue. Oh, I'm so glad. Thanks for inviting me. It was fun. Yes, and it's very insightful. So we will look forward to another time. And thanks. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Blessings. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.